0: Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Live It Well podcast. We are your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. We are so glad that you're here with us. Each week, we invite authors, mentors, friends of ours who have an inspiring message, who are living their life well. And so our goal is to learn and grow, and we want to invite you to do the exact same thing with us. So hope you're ready. Let's dive right in.
1: On today's episode, we're chatting with New York Times bestselling author, Melanie Schenkel. She's kind of a big deal. She's such a big deal. Three New York Times bestsellers. That's amazing. And I loved all of them. If you haven't read Melanie's books before, make sure you go check them out. We had the biggest blast in this conversation with Melanie. She's a lot of fun. She is hilarious. I was cracking up. Hilarious. And she's a brilliant storyteller. Yeah. I love an author who can make me laugh and cry in the same chapter. And that's exactly what Melanie does. You guys are going to love her.
0: You know, I, I didn't know how like funny she was she's and famous. how like authentic she was. She just came like ready to share. Yeah. It was, it was awesome. one of
1: those great conversations where we all forget we're in an interview and we just get lost in the conversation. It was wonderful.
0: During our time with Melody, we talk about her latest project, On the Bright Side. We talk with Melody about finding the courage to get back up when life doesn't go according to plan, which we all know that that happens, how to discern when it's time to move on to something new, and how to hold on to joy and gratitude no matter what life throws your way.
2: At the end of the day, the only person who can stop what God wants to do in our lives is us. And so it's like we can't let ourselves walk around being victims to our circumstances and the other things that happen because we can choose to come out of that and find ways to to spend that in our lives.
1: It's so crazy how God's timing works and how every single week somehow I need exactly the truth that God brings through these conversations. And this week's episode was definitely no exception. Guys, we hope it speaks just as powerfully into your life as well. Without further ado, here is... (laughs) the sparkly, the wonderful Melanie Schenkel. All
0: right, Melanie, we're super excited to have you. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. I'm so happy to be here.
0: Well, I know that um, my wife, for years, not that I haven't in- <laughs> loved your books, but she has just been in love with the work that you've done throughout the years. I'd be she reading a book, and it was the sparkly green earrings, yes. and she's dying laughing. <laughs> I was like, "What is happening oh, inside that. of that book?" But yeah, (laughs) oh my God. So thank you for doing what you've done and really made an impact in my wife's life, which I'm sure has somehow directly helped, you know, in our life. But all that to say is you got a brand new book coming out. We're going to talk about it in a second. But who is Melly? Tell us a little bit about your story. Where do you live? You got kids, all that good stuff.
2: Okay, so I have been married to my husband, Perry, for 22 and a half years. Um, I include the half because y'all know every month counts is a victory. Um, so we've been married for 22 and a half years. We have an only child, Caroline, who's 16 and a junior in high school. So I would appreciate your prayers to that end because um, we are doing all those things right now. She's been driving for six months, so I have to get my hair colored more frequently than I used to. And I pray a lot more often than I used to. So we've got that. We have two dogs, Piper and Mabel. Um, I'm a writer. I've written several books that are all just kind of a blend of spiritual and funny about life and love and all the day-to-day things and how God uses us right where we are. And then I speak at various events nationwide. And um, it all started from a blog that I started back in 2006 called Big Mama that's still out there. I don't write on it as much as I used to, but it still exists.
1: I love that. And yes, like Chris said, I remember just somebody gave me a copy of Sparkly Green Earrings, which was your first book, right? Yeah, yeah. And we went on a trip with some friends to Colorado, and I literally didn't put it down the whole time. People were like, "Stop reading! We have to go like have fun." Um, <laughs> and I finished it on the trip. It was hilarious and moving. And I was like, "I love books that make me cry and laugh at the same time." It's so
2: fun. So I but loved wait, that one. Wait,
0: wait, but your first book becomes a New York Times <laughs> bestseller. Can we just take a second? Happen? Happen? Yeah, to talk about that.
2: <laughs> I I don't even know. I mean, that is like a god thing it was I look back and go, Bless my little naive heart, because when I wrote that book, you don't even think that. Like you don't even know like that's a real thing. Like you're the only people that hit New York Times are like John Grisham or somebody like that. So um when my publisher called me, I think it was the second week it was out and was like, Hey, by the way, your book hit New York Times, I was like, What is happening? Like how is this even real life? It's just it's just crazy. Do you know? Listen, if I knew, I would I would write a million dollar book on how to finish our talk. right. I mean that's I would sell that book. It had to be nothing but God. I mean, I think it was at an age. I think I was one of the first bloggers, besides like maybe Ann Boscamp, who maybe you've heard of, um, <laughs> who wrote a book. And I think in that day it was just Twitter and all of that. So it was so easy to get. You know, now it feels like there's 17 people that have a new book that come out every week. So it's so much harder to like capture that audience. Um, in so many different avenues. But I think back then it was so pure where it was like social media was still a little new. Um, so I don't, you know, I don't know. But the grace of God is how that happened.
0: Okay, well, let's jump in. What is On the Bright Side all about?
2: To me, On the Bright Side is the way that I have challenged myself to live my life, which is, I think when you look at life and all its things, it's like life is going to be beautiful and it's going to be messy and it's going to be hard and it's going to break your heart. And it's like, it's such a roller coaster, you know, in the course of a day, I feel like we can have so many different emotions and feelings and things. And it's just remembering that there's always a bright side, like when you look for it. And I think so much of that is our mindset, because I think if we, if we look for the negative, then all we're going to find is the negative. But I think when we start to train ourselves to look for the bright side, then I think we find it, and I think that there's always a positive thing in our life that we can focus on, and as I was writing the book, it was right after the 2016 elections, and I thought, if ever we've needed to remember, like, Mm. the whole world isn't going to burn down, like, we're okay, like, for thousands of years, people have thought this is the worst it's ever going to get, and it's going to be okay, you know, there's still good that's happened, babies are still being born, people are still falling in love, you know, God is on his throne in heaven, it's all going to be okay, so...
1: Yeah, I love that, and it's such a good reminder. So I love, you kind of talk about all kinds of different aspects of life, parenting, marriage, friendship, and how we can find the bright side in all of life, in the highs and lows, and I told Chris, I was reading it last night and this morning, and I thought, well, we'll we'll probably just focus on everything except the parenting stuff, and then every chapter you wrote about your daughter, I'm tearing up, like (laughs) at least 10 times I'm tearing up. I was like, okay, maybe we'll talk about the parenting stuff. (laughs) We have two adolescents that we're parenting right now, so I just really resonated Mm -hmm. with everything you said, all the highs and lows. And it's so good for for parents who are going to read this. I'm excited because um, it helps you feel like you're not alone. You're not crazy. You're not alone because everyone who raises a teenager has to go through this gauntlet. It's the same for all of us. It's crazy. So talk to us a little bit about that. Um, Some of the stories that you wrote about parenting a teenager and how it's okay. We're all going to be okay.
0: There's also a teenage girl yeah
1: a
2: teenage girl
0: teenage girl yeah. you had that yeah. one extra <laughs> that word it. Teenage oh.
1: yeah girl for real
2: yeah yeah it's a lot of hormones you know it's a lot of hormones and a lot of emotion and all of that stuff and i think the thing is is what i always think when i'm as i'm parenting caroline i always think it seems like my parents knew what they were like they had more answers than i have mm-hmm. like i I'm always shocked at like, I don't, I don't know how to handle this. Like, I remember the first time it was about a year ago, and a lot of her friends had started to get their driver's license, and she didn't have hers yet. But she came in one night, and I had said, which was the usual, her dad and I were going out. And I said, Hey, if you want to have a friend over, we can order pizza, and y'all can watch movies. And she was like, Okay, well, she's going to pick me up. And we're going to just go drive around. Is that okay? And I was like, okay hold on hold on hold on and I was like I ran in the bathroom and I asked my husband I was like are we doing this like are we letting her in the car like is she driving with the teenage driver like what's happening you know and he was like yeah I mean I think that's what we do and I mean but we both were like how are we this dumb like how do we how do we not know what the right answer is to this and then I came out and I said okay you can and I said but you need to stay in this perimeter you know don't go outside these boundary lines and I said, and y'all just be so careful. And she looked at me and she goes, mom, she's like, Kate made a 95 on her driving test. It's fine. And I'm like, okay, I'm more worried about the five points that she got counted off for 100%. than I am about the 95. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, Gosh. so it feels like every day to be of having a teenager is like that, where it's like, it's a pop quiz and you don't know what the answer is. And you're trying to stay calm. I've learned that for me, one of my best parenting tips is I have this color by number app on my phone and it's like, I say it's like the 2020 version of like cross stitching, I guess. But if I will sit in color by number on my phone if she's telling me something, so it's like I'm paying attention, but I'm not making eye contact. She'll tell me so much more mm. because the trick is, is I can't overreact. Like I have to listen to everything she's saying and just go, huh, yes. okay, so, <laughs> ah, all right. So that's what happened. Like I just kind of listen. And I read a book a few years ago by Kelly Corrigan that I loved. But in it, she talks about how she learned to listen to her kids. And when they say stuff, you just go, oh, tell me more. Like, instead of trying to solve it, she'd be like, so tell me what else. And so I really try to do that instead of being like, have you lost your mind? That's the dumbest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. Like, it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so hard. But I think the biggest thing with them, and y'all, I'm sure you all see it with your kids, is it's like they can drive you crazy. And you're like, your shoes are all over the house. You can be so selfish. You think it's your world. You think money grows on trees. Gasoline is like a free luxury that you get all these things, but you're like, But you're so funny and I love you so much, and I can't even believe that you're only going to live here a year and a half because you've just become the most delightful person, and I'm so sad. it's like such a mix of emotions at all times, I feel like
1: it absolutely is. I was laughing because we've probably said all of those actual things within the past week, yeah, um,
0: what, in the last twenty four hours 24 what are you hours
1: talking hours?
0: about week it's the twenty four hours it's so true. Holy.
1: And and it's such a high and low. One minute you're feeling, oh, my gosh, all you think about is yourself. And the next you're like, I just couldn't love you more. You're just everything.
2: <laughs> it's crazy. And then they like Saturday, my husband was gone. And he called and he said, how's y'all's day been? And I said, it's been good. And I said, she, I said, Carolyn got up. I said, she cleaned up her whole room. I said, she cleaned out her bathroom. I said, she's out there vacuuming her car. And he goes, what did she do? He goes, what bomb is she about to drop? Because as a parent, like, that's what you it's like she's not just doing that out of the goodness of her heart like what's about to hit us? What are we about to find out you know?
1: Yes. yes. Yeah, it's a good question. I love that Kelly Corrigan book That mm-hmm. was one of my favorite reads last year, too And that tell me more thing really does work. You can it works on husbands. It works on yeah. children What it's it's magic. Wait, what I mean don't don't listen. <laughs> earmuffs. Earmuffs. Yeah, earmuffs. Um, yeah, it really does work. It's so good but I, I want to ask more a little bit about your relationship with Caroline. You talk about having to navigate with her through some really tough stuff with school and friendships and everything. Yeah. And um, I mean, those middle school and high school years. There's just nothing like them. And it is a surprise, like you said, every single day. And things, you know, I told Chris the other day, like, I feel like I thought I had it figured out or at least found a good place as a parent. And now I feel like I'm having to relearn everything as the parent of two adolescents because there is a surprise waiting around every turn. So talk about that a little bit. Tell us more. Tell us more about... um, (laughs) Help (laughs) Help us find the bright side. Help us find the bright (laughs) side of teenagers and navigating those really, really rough waters sometimes.
2: Yeah, I think it's so hard because I felt like Caroline got through middle school relatively unscathed. And I was like, oh, we've done it. Like this is, we've nailed it. You know, as a parent, like when something goes right, you're like, oh, I totally nailed that. Look how good I am. But then her sophomore year... It started off like, and I thought, oh, this, I think feel like this is going to be a great year. She'd just gotten her braces off. You're like, everything's coming up roses. She had made varsity soccer. And I thought this is going to be a great year. And then we, it started like the worst six months, I feel like, of, motherhood where there was so much girl drama and so much friend drama and it felt like every single day was that thing of I would almost dread picking her up from school because I thought I don't know what she's going to get in my car and tell me you know just and your heart breaks because it's it's the beginning of and you know that parenthood is this but it's the beginning of them having real problems and real things that you can't just go in and fix for them like I could listen to her and I could cry with her and I could make her craft mac and cheese at the end of a long day but like I couldn't make that drama go away and I couldn't always tell her how to handle it and so I think that's what's so hard as a parent is and and it's where as a Christian you go back to like okay this is where we've got to teach our kids like your security is in Jesus Christ like that's where you're going to find your strength and your hope and that's where you have to put your trust and you have to know that these other kids may not have that which is why they are feeling the need to lash out at you and to try to take you down but it's, it's the balance of, and I still struggle with it. It's like, how do you teach your kid to have a thick skin that's going to help them survive in this world, but yet still have a tender heart? And I just, I think that's so hard. It's just, it, it's the thing that'll keep you on your knees. I feel like as a parent.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, our oldest had a day. We didn't see it coming. As a parent, you don't think about it. You know, as an adult, if I say, hey, give me some of the hardest days of your life. And you could probably yeah. pretty quickly be like, bam, bam, bam. That was hard. That was yeah. hard. When this happened, that was hard. But you don't think about it that one day your kid is going to have a new or have their first hardest day ever. Mm-hmm. And we had yeah. that with our oldest one. And it was like, mm. oh my God, this is the hardest day ever of this kid's entire life and it's a he's a good kid and you're like okay i didn't see this coming like you said i mean it's really a lot of it there's no preparation for any of it Mm -hmm. and then you know you go okay how do we learn from the hardest days ever how do we as parents help them navigate the hardest days ever because we can't fix everything Yep. And it's exactly what you're saying. So it's just all about looking on the bright side, right? Finding yeah. the bright side. You yeah. got knocked down. Yeah. How do you get back up? Yeah. What are we going to learn from this?
2: Yep. And I think the thing that God really revealed to me as we were going through this time, as I thought, and, and he brought this back to my mind, is like since the day Caroline was born, I prayed that she would be brave. I would prayed that she would be strong. I prayed that she would change her world. I prayed that she would have an effect on her world. I prayed that she would be powerful. And it began to dawn on me. And like God began to say to me, like, she can't be all those things if she never goes through anything. You know, when we look back at those hard days and the struggles, like as adults, we can go, those help shape us into who we are and to be in resilient and to being strong and all those things. And it's like, you can't raise a hothouse orchid and then put it out in the winter and expect for it to survive. It's not going to happen. And so it really shifted my perspective a little bit on it where I was like, as hard as this is, like this is forging her into who she needs to be, but it's hard to watch because you know you love your kids more than you love yourself and you wish you could just keep them in this little bubble where they could just always be happy and things could always go their way. But then you think, well, that would probably create a pretty worthless human being at the end of the day. So Totally.
0: 100%. Alright, yeah. so let's let's shift gears. We've been talking about parenting and adolescence. For mm-hmm. everyone out there listening, you have that. You're not alone. <laughs> you can do it. You, we're
1: you can we're do it. in this together. We're all in
0: this <laughs> together. <laughs> we have no clue what we're doing. Just Nobody yeah. Does. keep yeah. praying and keep showing up and get an app yeah. on your phone that paints by numbers. <laughs> there and exactly then just it. say, tell me more. If that's all you get <laughs> from the day. Take that and find the bright side. the But let's talk about yeah. you guys. You and your husband planted a church, or you were part of a church plant a few years ago. Like, where did that come from? Where did that come in the plans? Unpack that for us, please.
2: You want to talk about things that you don't expect. Um, I've laughed because I have said consistently that every book I've ever written, God has tested me on what that thing is. And I think that's part of why like my forward got left out of the bright side. And I've had all these Amazon issues because I'm like, okay, let's find the bright side. Like, Put your money where your mouth is. And when I was writing my book, Church of Small Things, which was my book before this one, and the whole premise was just about um, making a difference right where you are, like in your community and that we kind of live in a world that makes you feel like you need to have a big platform and a big stage, but that God uses the day-to-day things. And it was during that time that my husband and I, we live in kind of a small little community within San Antonio, and he's been in ministry. I've done ministry. So this wasn't a foreign thing to us. Um, But we were at a church where we had been very happy for 20 years, and we felt like God was really saying, I want you to start something in your neighborhood. Like, I want you to start this worship service and we didn't know what it was because we were like it's not a church plant and Perry my husband owns a landscaping business so we weren't looking to like make this our job that's not what we were doing but we just felt like there wasn't really anything in our neighborhood that was like what we wanted to create which was just a very open easy come in worship relatable down to earth type thing so we were like well we kind of just talk about it and then we we're like well that sounds ridiculous we're not going to do that. And then um, and then one night we were talking about church stuff with our daughter at the dinner table, and she said, I think we ought to start a church. And I knew in that moment, you know how you know things? And I was like, oh, God, pl- no, this is no. I do not want to do this. This sounds terrible. And then about that time, we had some other friends who were leading worship at a different church, and they were leaving that church. And they said, we really feel called to start this thing. What do y'all think? And so all of a sudden it was like, well, now we've got worship leaders. So what are we going to do? Like, this is... That thing. And so we started and we called it community worship. It met in an art studio that they let us rent on Sunday mornings for dirt cheap. God bless them. <laughs> um, and we started this what was a church of small things it was just a small non-denominational church service um where we would do worship and we would have a message and it was acoustic it was just super low key and we did it for 3 years and i say in the book like it shaped me and tested me in ways that i didn't know like you kind of don't know how selfish you can be until you start really pouring yourself out to where you're like sometimes i like to sleep late on sunday mornings i don't want to have to get up and put up chairs and make coffee and be a hostess and all those things, but it, it was so funny, and it was, and at the end of the three years, it became very obvious, we were like, I think it's time has passed, and um, we just knew that God was saying this chapter is closed, and it's funny how that works, because people would say, well, what's your long-term plan, and we were like, here's our, we're going to meet next Sunday, that's next our long-term, week. right, right, <laughs> yeah, that's it, yeah. we have no long-term plan, like, we're not looking at, and they were like, well, do you want this to be your job, and we were like, no, this is just a, it's just a ministry, it's just something we want to do. But it's been so interesting because we had people that came and stayed all three years. We had people that would only show up for three weeks and we'd never see them again. We had people that would come in one time and they'd never come back. It was such a mix of people, but we've heard from so many people after the fact that we almost said now it was like God used it as like a church ICU for people who had really been hurt or burned by the traditional church and kind of needed a safe spot to heal um, and to meet Jesus in a new way again to almost like rehabilitate them and then send them back into church. And so it's it's amazing to look and go, wow, look at what came out of that and the way God used it, but then also that it was just a short-term thing. And so we stopped doing that. I guess it's been two years ago now in April, and we're back at our other church and so happy to be there. But it was it was a great season. It was a season that really grew our faith and tested our faith, and I feel like God used it in some powerful ways.
1: That's really cool. I love that you guys were able to discern that, you know, both in starting and letting go. And that's really tough to do. I'm sure you get attached to people and, you know, into that starting a community like that. Um, You have a chapter in the book about holding plans loosely and, and kind of that idea of discerning when it's time to start, when it's time to move on to a new season, when it's time to let go. Can you talk about that a little? I know there's probably somebody listening, going through something like that. They're trying to make a decision. They're trying to discern what their next move is. Um, talk yeah. talk about how you guys navigated that together as a couple and how you discerned knowing when it was time to start and when it was time to let go.
2: I think the first thing was just that, that we always covered it in so much prayer. So it was like, God, just lead us and make this obvious to us and yeah. not... um and I think for me, I really knew with the church when it was time, because Perry started to sense that it was time. And I, you know, when you when I started to, I was like, I'm selfish enough that is this just me hoping it is, you know, like, am, am I hoping this is the end? But when he started to say, I really feel like this has run its course and God's calling us away from it. And, and, and we both really prayed. And I think this is it when it's time It's like, God, we need you to make it really clear to us. Like, we really need to make it. And it was made abundant clear just through a series of things that happened. We were like, oh, this is, it's time. And I think sometimes you have to ask yourself, like, I know I do this. Like, I like my comfort and I like my security and I like my familiarity where you're like, am I holding on to this thing just because it's all I know? um, Or is it because it's still what God has for me? And so I feel like so much of our life is so much better lived if we keep an open hand and say, God, this is This is all yours and I'm going to use it and do it and do this thing for as long as you call me to it. But ultimately it's yours. And when you call me to walk away, I'll walk away. So and and I think he's faithful to kind of give you that sense of it's time to move on to a new thing.
1: Yeah, that's really good. Um, one of the other chapters I loved, I kind of resisted, it's The Bright Side of Life Giving You Lemons. And honestly, yes. I was like, I don't want to read this chapter. I, <laughs> I know. I don't, am I going to need this, Lord? You know, like I don't want to read it, I but but I, it was one of my favorites. I really enjoyed it. Um, and I want to quote you, and then you can kind of unpack it for us a little bit. But okay. one of the things you wrote that I loved, it's, you said, all it takes to stop the dysfunction is for one brave person to ask God for the strength and determination to, to change the narrative. And I wonder if you would just unpack kind of the idea behind that, um, how to bounce back, how to find the bright side, how to handle it when life doesn't turn out the way that you had planned and I lost it with that cat story. Oh, my gosh. If you I, want to tell it's that. It's the worst. I, I was sweating. Oh, my gosh. It was amazing. Please oh, tell that story.
2: It's it's the worst. So <laughs> the short version is some dear friends of ours built this beautiful new house north of town um, out on some land, and they were so excited. And it was it was like a three-year process to like build their dream house, to move into it. She's an interior designer, so it was immaculate. It's just so beautiful. And the first night, they really were finally settled in and everything was great, and they sat down like to watch the Spurs game and just relax, and their kids were in bed, and they were like, yes, we've made it, and they were sitting there, and all of a sudden, they just heard this, Row! and this dirty, wet, smelly cat jumped right in between them on the couch. <laughs> um, here's the problem. They don't own a cat. It wasn't their cat. They didn't know where the cat had come from, and the cat proceeded to run all over the house, leaving muddy, gross, wet, prints everywhere ran into the kids bedrooms like perched on their three-year-old's head they were like trying to get the cat out of the house <laughs> the whole deal they finally did They found out that the cat they had had, they put in a mudroom and somehow when she was putting drinks in the fridge, when she was unloading groceries, they think their three-year-old had, this feral cat had gone into the refrigerator and the three-year-old had shut the refrigerator door. And so the cat had spent hours trying to escape from the refrigerator and finally did. And so I'm going to tell you that they had to get rid of that refrigerator It was beyond redemption. Um, But to me, it was such a perfect illustration of how life is that like, it seems like when you're just going along and you're like, this is great. Like we're on cruise control. We've got it all figured out that it's like, there's just somewhere a dirty, wet, smelly cat just gets dropped right into your lap. And you're like, what, what just happened? Like, I'm just trying to enjoy my life. I didn't need this cat but I think it's with everything. I think it's with our, it's like when life isn't what you planned and, you know, or I always say, or as I call it life, I mean, it's not going to go the way we plan. I think we make these plans and we think this is how it's going to go And we see things and I'm the best about like making sure that God knows, like, here's the ideal way that this situation needs to go. And it's shocking how many times he doesn't take my advice on that. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's the perspective of kind of turning your lens to go, okay, I'm going to find the good in this situation. My kid's going through a really hard time. But we're going to figure out how this is going to make them stronger and better and build their character. My marriage is going through a really hard time, but this is going to test us and we're going to try to come out on the other side stronger than we were before. Um, the family that I came from, and this is personal for me, like the family that I came from was messed up. I mean, just a lot of dysfunction and a lot of things that I don't want to repeat, but where you go, okay, God, I'm going to trust you that if I'm brave enough to take the steps to break this chain, that you're going to be faithful to start a new thing. And I think that's it is in every situation. Like it really just takes one brave person to step up and say, I'm going to view this differently. I'm going to view this through a different lens and I'm going to let God use it um, instead of spiraling down into the negative. Because I think the only, at the end of the day, the only person who can stop what God wants to do in our lives is us. And so it's like we can't let ourselves walk around being victims to our circumstances and the other things that happen because we can choose to come out of that and find ways to to spend that in our lives. That's
0: good. All right, so let's talk to the person out there. When do you navigate using the words "Hey, look on the bright side"? You <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know like
2: touch the face. Right.
0: Like you know, I don't. I don't think I really need that right now. And sometimes people don't need that yeah. right away. So talk about how someone navigates that and maybe you haven't spent much time on thinking about it, but I just feel like it's that place where like, you know, cause I'm the positive guy I'm like, oh man, it's cool. Like, it's going to be great. You're like, yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe in a week, bro. Maybe, maybe in a month, yeah. maybe never actually to me. Yeah. So I don't know. talk, yeah. talk about that for a little bit.
2: I mean, I think that's the thing. I think nobody wants to hear when the worst has happened, especially because, let's be honest, I mean, there there are levels of things. So it's like, did you have a flat tire or did you just lose a parent or a spouse or a child or, you know, there's horrific things that happen. And I think that part of our job is you've got to be sensitive to not be like, hey, but there's a bright side because there are some losses that we'll face here on earth that our hearts will never fully heal from this side of heaven. It's just... The way that it is. And so I'm not some naive Pollyanna that's like, there's always a bright side. But I think that while we're still here on this earth, and I think once you get past the tragedy and the initial impact of it, I, I think we owe it to each other to say, I know that this horrible thing has happened, but at some point, let's, let's get up and let's start to look at the things that we do still have at the marriage we still have or the family we still have or, you know, that it's it's not the end of our world. And I, and I think as Christians, especially, you kind of go, if we're still here breathing, then God still has a purpose for us in all of that. And it's digging in. But, you know, I think a lot of times, I mean, let's be honest, we've all been through things where for a long time, you're like, I don't see a bright side of this. I just, I really don't. And I think that's a normal human thing. But I also think at some point we're called to pick ourselves up, and be like, okay, I'm gonna focus on something good because otherwise, you lose your your will to live. And it's it's trying to find the joy or the purpose or the meaning somewhere and believing that God ultimately promises He works all things together for good. And we may not ever see the big picture of that until we're on this side of our lives, you know, until we're on the other side of it. But just trusting that it's there. So that's
0: good. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. All right. Well, we love to close out every show with these three questions. It goes a little like this. What's a book that's impacted your life and journey? What's a habit that's impacted your life? And what advice would you give to the younger you?
2: Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> Those are great questions. <laughs> Thanks. What is a book that has impacted my life the most? Oh, there's so many. I'm such a reader. Um, I really think it's funny because I know I ought to say a Christian book, but I really think Kelly Corrigan's for the time that I was in my life the tell me more just really helped me with so many things because it was about the most important things we're learning to say. I'm sorry, but I just love that, that whole concept of like the things that as humans we need to say. And sometimes I like getting a perspective that's outside just the Christian perspective because it's like, Oh, these are things that are universal to life no matter who we are. So that book really had an impact on me and made me think a lot about the way I respond to people. Um, a habit is that I start every day, even if I just read my Bible verse, a daily Bible verse on Daily gateway, on Bible Gateway or something. Like I'm not always good about it. I've had this 30-minute quiet time and playing peaceful music or whatever. But it's like just starting my day with like, um, and like I I'll, before my feet even hit the floor, like I've kind of trained my brain to go, God, just show me what you want me to do today. That's it. That's like my simple prayer. And I think it gives me an awareness of just in the day to day, like where is an opportunity that God wants to use me or where do I need to show kindness when I don't want to show kindness or whatever. And then what was the last question?
1: What advice would you give to the younger you?
2: Wear sunscreen. That's one. (laughs) That's even. um, and I think be easier on yourself Like I think you're not going to get it perfect it's not always going to go easy but give yourself grace and don't feel like you've got to make everybody happy with your own two hands because it's exhausting and it's impossible um, and you're going to waste a lot of tears um, that you don't need to that's so
0: good, I love it who's your daughter most like, you or your husband?
2: my husband, 100%
0: 100%. what advice would you give to younger him? (laughs) A.K.A. her.
2: <laughs> I tell her all the time. I'm like, number one, I'm like, you got to give people a little more grace. He's such a black and white guy. And then I also say, you can't say that. Like, I know you're thinking it, but you can't say that. <laughs>
1: That's funny. I say
2: that to him all the time. Yeah. That's it. We've had a, a couple of nights at dinner where we're sitting there and Caroline will be like, and so then I just told them that. And then my husband will say, you didn't really say that, did you? And I'm like, if your dad is asking you if you really said that, that's bad. Like you need to really, I hope you didn't say that. Like,
0: Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my god. What's okay. your Enneagram number?
2: A nine. I'm a people pleaser. And I they are eights. They are, I am oh, married eights. to an eight and I gave birth to an eight, which I don't recommend. <laughs> but
0: that's why you have you one might. child. Yeah. Why you have one. That's
2: exactly right. I do not recommend it. I don't know how it happened. It was before I knew about the Enneagram. That's so funny.
0: You look up everyone's boss and you're around. You're like, hey,
2: hey. Yeah.
0: Okay, what do you need me to do? I'll do it.
2: It's not gonna make you happy. Let me do it. Yeah.
0: Oh my god. That's awesome. So funny. Well, where can people find you, look you up, get this All book?
2: Um, the best thing is MelanieShankle.com is my website. I'm MelanieShankel on Instagram, which is where I tend to post all the things these days because Instagram is where it's happening. Um, and then the book's available at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and probably in all your local bookstores. And it'll actually be in Target stores in about a week. So you can find it kind of everywhere books are sold. But don't
0: look for the forward. Put the forward's on your blog.
2: <laughs> the, forward. the forward is on my blog and in my heart. That's where you can... <laughs> Awesome. That's awesome, Melanie.
1: Thanks
0: well, thank for you for coming there. on. We really, really appreciate it.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys.
0: What a great conversation. Guys, thank you each and every single week for showing up here. Your faithfulness truly is amazing, and we're so honored to get to take this journey with you every single week. As always, we would love to hear from you and how these episodes are impacting and influencing your life. You can hit us up at our website or leave us a review on iTunes, and, of course, you can find us on social media.
1: And you can find all the info for today's episode in our show notes over at our website, letsliveitwell.com.
0: All right. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. Let's close it out like we do every single time, guys. Remember, you only get one life. Live Live it it well. well.